Have you ever created a chaos dish? Every day. No. I loved that man. I can't remember what he was called, but he was like a restaurant Dumbledore. But the food porn here was just overwhelming. Yeah, Chicago yeah. is shot straight to the top of the destinations list. But yeah, Copenhagen's gorgeous. It shot straight to the top of the destination list. <laughs> just behind Chicago. It's all about the halftime show. Just going back to the karaoke bit, I wonder if she's got any DJ skills. She could be Tina Turner. This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA The Bear, season two, episode three, Sunday, episode four, Honeydew, and episode five, Pop. My name is Adam Thundernuts Hemming, and I Googled fun, and the TV DNA podcast was third on the list. The top two things being my co hosts. The podcast equivalent of a minty Snickers bar. It's Grace Chapman. Raccoons, plural. And she's not like this because she's in Van Halen. She's in Van Halen because she's like this. It's Izzy Dixon. I love Taylor Swift too. I just needed a break, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I mean, I just, my final notes, having watched the fifth episode was, I effing love this show. (laughs) Me too. I didn't think it I didn't think it was going to be possible to kind of top season one. And I know that in the last episode we recorded, I said that I very nearly didn't watch season two. I mean, by the time it rolled around, I was on board. But when they announced there would be one, I was like, oh, but season one's so perfect. It's such a perfect standalone piece of TV. And I I think this tops it. I just I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I wholeheartedly agree. I just love I love where they've taken all the characters. I love where they've taken the tone of the show. Oh, I just, I just love it. It's, it's just brilliant. Really, really great. And I think purely accidentally, we picked a good set of episodes to do because those first two were kicking off some new storylines, whereas episodes three and four are very much centred around one of the characters with little moments from some of the others. And then episode five kind of brings nearly all of them together again and, and we see a bit more of a lot of them. This series feels a lot more about, I guess I'd say like the set, like celebration of cooking and like the creativity that you need to become a brilliant chef. And they they speak about it quite a lot in these episodes about what is required. And it's not just hard work. It's also like inspiration. And they're really like showcasing that really visually and really beautifully. And it's made me think about not my cooking, but other people <laughs> cooking very, very differently. Have you ever created a chaos dish? Every day. (laughs) My life's a chaos dish. No. No. What have you? I was trying to think about this. I mean, I will put bacon or sausages in anything that I possibly can. But yeah, I couldn't I couldn't come up with a, a particularly good example. I once made a fish pie with crunched up ready salted crisps as the topping. Oh, that's a classic, though. I mean, I I don't like fish pie, but I do that with shepherd's pie. I think most of my chaos probably comes in the baking. (laughs) Just the baking of anything. Victoria Sponge is just, you know, yeah, absolutely chaotic. Anything, guys. I swear I'm cursed. I don't know why. I mean, Adam probably won't remember this. Probably about three weeks after I started work at The Space. So brand new job, first job in the arts. I did uh, all the cakes for my friend's wedding, which involved me overnight cooking 120 cupcakes a massive stack of flapjacks that I'd made the recipe up from scratch and I think some kind of shortbread and we literally we literally found a like an old door on the street and we brought it home put it over the sofa so we could just stack everything 
and then I had to load it into a car and drive home to Hampshire. And I just started a new job like three weeks ago. I miss 23-year-old me. Look at the get up and go I had. 33-year-old me would not do that. Look at the pluck on her. <laughs> my worst story is when I, me and my mum tried to make a chocolate Yule log and it honestly came out like a piece of leather. <laughs> <laughs> So Marcus's bits in Copenhagen were truly, truly incredible for me to witness. Well, let's get into these then. So should we do them episode by episode? I think it probably makes yeah. sense this time around. So episode three is very much focused on Sydney, but we open with Kami in his sort of grief support group. Yeah. I, is it grief support? I, I couldn't be sure if it was grief support or whether it was some kind of like Alcoholics Anonymous that he was going to. Because he does do that, doesn't he, in season one? And it's, yeah. It's Mikey's old group. Yeah. It, it, it's like families of Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. There we go. Al-Anon. There we go. I thought it was really lovely. Some of the cinematography and some of the choices they made in these episodes was incredible. But just a lovely little touch to have the empty chair next to him. He is missing someone in, in his life. Um, but he talks about having to remind himself to breathe, to be present, and that the sky is not falling down. He also says uh, there is no other shoe, which is very difficult because there's always another shoe. And I couldn't quite work out what that meant. He talk, I think he talks about the other, waiting for the other shoe to drop. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't say to drop. He says waiting for the other shoe. But that's the phrase, isn't it? Waiting. What does that mean? Do you think something bad's going to happen? Yeah. I don't know the origin of that. We'll find I'll out find out before the next podcast. I'll make it my mission. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we're 11 weeks till opening. So the timeline is, is ticking it down. I have to say this opening montage of the notes on the wall was one of my favourite. I have also, I think, I don't know what you think, Adam, but I think some of these montages could, could be up there with Better Call Saul's. Uh, it's a big call, big shout. Um <laughs> Possibly, possibly. I'm really enjoying them. And I, I just had to pause to write down a couple of the post-it notes because they just made me laugh so much. So there was, um, where are we on this? Stop using credit card. To Nat from FAC, I love you. Suck my butt, FAC. <laughs> Fuck my life to death. And then my little, there was a little post-it note that was my favourite that just said, never mind. and then obviously we then come to that amazing moment where they have that whiteboard behind them and it says let's start from a positive place (laughs) i know i love the whiteboard oh and it had been slightly like hands had gone over it you know it's just like the details of the storytelling is so so satisfying when you start digging into it but i adored i adored that post-it montage Lovely stuff. And it, it feels like we're almost seeing a similar one of those each episode, nearly. So Sydney's on a on a mission. Well, she, we get first we get a scene with her and Carmi, right? She's been reading about restaurants closing due to COVID. And I, I want to come back to that in a bit. But they have they talk about sending Marcus somewhere, maybe Copenhagen, and they ask about his mum, who's apparently stable. So that's what we were we were talking about this last time around that one of Marcus's relatives was unwell and it turns out it's his mum and again that comes up in the next episode so they're seeding really brilliantly seeding sort of stuff for these future episodes to come the plan is for them to reset their palates they're a bit stuck with the menu so they're going to meet up at this place later on he he wants an hour to clean up or something they're going to meet up later on and then of course he gets a call 
from Claire and we get the brilliant calling out of the fake number obviously you were both absolutely right yeah, yeah. high five to me and Grace it's but also I don't know what that says about us that we immediately were like that's fake, that's fake number <laughs> <laughs> yeah I love that she's calling him out on his shit like I think she does it constantly and that's exactly what Kami needs it's just really really satisfying just the way she's like walk me through the fake number thing <laughs> so cool and there's there's like a little a little rib at the end, isn't there, where he agrees to go and they drive somewhere. There's like a couple of times in these episodes where they drive places and I'm getting confused, helpfully, if he listens to the podcast. She's like, I'll text you the address. And he's like, oh, no, don't worry. She's like, OK, well, I'll text back the address. And he can tell you. Yeah, because she got his number. She got his real number from fact. Like she literally knows everybody. She knows all the facts. Uh, and apparently there are a lot of facts nothing but the facts it is so brilliant like I think his conflict is great because he's got obviously got so much to do to get this restaurant open but she's this whole thing that he can't deny and she doesn't let him get away with anything at all I wrote high caliber flirtation oh yeah the chemistry between these two in these three episodes was on point great work people so we got a couple of other bits from some of the other characters before we go into the, the main Sydney storyline. So Tina, we had Tina and Ebra at school, only Ebra hasn't shown up. So that, I think it's just a really tiny moment in there. And again, that, that sort of comes good later on. And then we get Richie and his daughter. <laughs> when he asks, how's your mum, by the way? And when I, when I first listened to it, I could have sworn she said dead. Well, it's very dry oh. daughter, just, oh, just absolutely coming out with it. Yeah, I, was like, I, had to, I had to rewind it and then it, it turned out she said good. <laughs> and then we get this the amazing, I love the Richie and his daughter relationship. It's really, really so developed. And we get that line that Izzy had about, I just needed a break from Taylor Swift and I just, <laughs> so good. Because you can just picture in the car, you know, that's all they listen to. And he just like, I imagine Richie like punching the radio to turn it off. <laughs> I like how they're sewing that in as like a long-term joke as well. So there's a bit in a later episode where he um he asks their uncle if if he's had any luck getting Taylor Swift tickets. <laughs> I wonder if Richie's purpose, you know, because we were talking last session session sounds really formal. <laughs> we were talking last podcast about you know him looking for his purpose, and I wonder if it might it, it feels like it'll be to do with his daughter and really kind of trying to reconnect genuinely or via Taylor Swift, either or. Equally important. Well, the other key thing that he learns, obviously, is about Uncle Frank. Yeah, now is Uncle Frank, I'm going to put this in air quote, mum's special friend? Yes, I think that is that is the case, yeah. Oh. Yeah, poor Richie. Uh, let's talk about Sydney's journey throughout this episode then, because that's the key part of this episode. It's very much about her. Obviously, she goes to where she said she'd meet Kami. It was very clear that he wasn't going to show up. But we then get her... Going on a, a tour of Chicago, really, and just talking to people, trying different foods. She's she's trying to find chefs. She's trying to hire new chefs for the restaurant as well. So she's kind of got a lot going on. This looks like my best day. <laughs> Hands down, I would do this. 10 out of 10. Sign me up. I know. I totally agree. Quite devastatingly, I was eating beans on toast at the time of watching this. Now... I'm not saying anything against beans on toast. It's the king of the lunch, but... How many times do we have beans and toast? 
Twice a week, do you think? Yeah, I think we have it twice a week. Got to keep those costs down. I think the hardest bit was the like the ramen noodles section. That was, I mean, the way that they shot all that food. I absolutely loved this. It was so satisfying. And then the way that we learned that, I think that, you, uh, what do we learn about the restaurant that, that someone says your front of house and your service needs to be overwhelmingly good? You know, I like, loved that man. I can't remember what he was called, but he was like a restaurant Dumbledore. <laughs> he was great lovely old man with a scar giving some sage advice yeah it felt like he was one of her mentors or um, perhaps yeah. a teacher previously or something but yeah they, they, they had a relationship and he obviously believed in her a lot yeah it's a great shout and there were a few people like that right which I really liked it did feel like we were getting a glimpse into her past as well as much as the food was about her future and her creating her future it was really nice to meet some of the characters that we we haven't seen in The Bear that have clearly shaped her into a chef and really believed in her and really encouraged that. We also sort of, she gets a bit of a cautionary tale, doesn't she, about the partner who ran off to Hawaii. The, the chef says, listen to your gut. I think that was probably sowing some seeds for maybe, we, we've already sort of experienced a bit of a Kami Sydney communication breakdown. There's a couple of times, and again, we had this, I think, in the first two episodes as well, where people are saying, you know, you need to have a partner you can trust. And it's sort of being, it's being fairly heavily driven through that message to, to Sydney from different people. But the food porn here was just overwhelming for me. It was just like, I was, is this all happening in one day? How could she eat all of that stuff in one day? That was exactly what I thought. And I love the bit at the end when she goes to a diner and just has a massive ice cream sundae, which of course is exactly what you'd need after all that, all that food. Thank God I had a two pound Tesco trifle in the fridge for that very moment. (laughs) Who does she see in the uh, ice cream sundae shop? A mother and daughter. Oh, yeah. Good shout. There's another moment where she calls Marcus. Uh, to see if anyone's dropped in for a CV, yeah, good. You know your whole sort of Marcus Sydney shipping, Grace. <laughs> and he, um, he he says the line "looking forward" as opposed to looking forward to seeing you. Something. <laughs> he um, says Lo- "looking forward," and then he's like, "I've never said that before in my life." <laughs> so that's essentially the journey of Sydney throughout the episode. It doesn't it, it felt like a lot was happening for her, but that's essentially what it was. She gets back to the restaurant. And there was a wall that needed knocking down and they didn't call her. And I thought she was a, a little bit of a bitch about this. But I mean, yeah, he could have called to let her know, but she's still on the on the sort of grumpy side. I know he didn't show up for when he said he was going to. Yeah, I was going to say he did stand her up. So I, I got the impression her grumpiness was more about that. And she yeah. was trying to get into the wall. But I mean, that's what the show does so brilliantly, right? Is the characters have these arguments about very superficial things. And actually they're, they're about so much more than that. He does the I'm sorry sign that we talked about last time round. And I can see that getting old for her quite quickly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it quite works for her. Yeah. <laughs> it's his way of basically saying, uh, let's not talk about this. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. But she tries a new dish in the kitchen and it, it doesn't work. She still hasn't sort of cracked her new dish. So it's a rough day for Sydney, although she gets to eat loads of amazing food. And it, I got the sense that this episode was was trying to do something else as well, and that it's a, a rough time for restaurants, like all restaurants are struggling post-COVID. And this was almost felt like it was an advert for Chicago food. 
or maybe just food in general. I mean, this really made me want to go go and eat out. I don't know about you, but yeah, my HelloFresh box in the kitchen was looking a little bit sad afterwards. <laughs> so, you know, I think that felt like a very strong point of the episode for me, which I really liked. Yeah, Chicago yeah. is shot straight to the top of the destinations list. Do we get into episode four then? Yeah. Yeah. So this was our Marcus-centred episode. We did get a few bits. We're seven weeks out, aren't we? There are more issues, more problems going on, as I'm sure there will be all the way through the series. But Nat decides to tell Kami that she's pregnant. Lovely comedy moment in the episode. She spends so long building up to it, saying she doesn't really want anyone else to know. And then she says it at the exact moment when the wall falls down. <laughs> Another wall. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Congratulations, everyone. And Richie's, I knew it. <laughs> Does one of them say, is it mine? Or have I made that up? <laughs> you made that up, but that would be a great, a great bit. Maybe Fat could say that. <laughs> yeah, is that the main thing we see other than Marcus in this storyline? I think it is, isn't it? I think that's the main thing. It's, it's the reveal, isn't it? I have a fun fact that I found out between this season airing and the last season, Abby Elliott, who plays uh, Natalie, is the daughter of Roland Shit from Shit's Creek. Really? Ooh. Nappe babies, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> so Marcus, Marcus then, Marcus and his mum, he's excited about going away, but anxious about leaving her. Have we met Chester before? I don't Chester- think so. I feel like we've met him once before. He's the guy who takes him to the airport, right? Yeah. Yes. I, I recognised him, but I couldn't tell you when he popped up before. We've definitely not seen him in this season, so I think there's a possibility we saw him in season one. But I know for me, I'm going very far back to that. Yeah, I just couldn't work out who he was, who he was to Marcus and, and what the relationship was there. Maybe we'll look that one up again for next next time round. But his, his advice on his way to Copenhagen is to not bring Ikea up because that's Sweden, not Denmark. They don't mess with that. I had to learn the wrong way. <laughs> I need to see a spin-off of that story. Yeah. <laughs> I also just really loved the chat about, you know, it being winter and it being quite warm or cold. I can't remember. And he goes, you never know, global warming is popping off. <laughs> <laughs> what an understatement. <laughs> but yeah, Copenhagen's gorgeous. Turns stunning. out. Stunning. Copenhagen is stunning. I went there many years ago. I'm going to say like nine or ten years ago. And it is beautiful. And this very much made me want to go back. It shot straight to the top of the destination list. <laughs> Just behind Chicago. <laughs> did you stay on a boat, Izzy? I didn't stay on a boat, but it was part of a bigger trip where I did Copenhagen and Oslo and Stockholm. And I did stay on a boat in Stockholm. How were the pastries in Copenhagen because I think that would be like my mecca oh so good but they're really good all over Scandinavia like the the kind of traditional breakfast is like cinnamon buns obviously I ate many of them on my trip (laughs) well speaking of buns we then meet Will Poulter's Luca oh my god I'm so glad you said his name because my notes say oh my god that bloke with the eyebrows and the arms, with a fresh head of highlights. Now, here's the thing, right? I appreciate that Will Poulter is a very attractive man, but I've never, I've never really lent into that. I've been like, yeah, I can see it objectively. But this episode, I don't know if it was the arms. I don't know if it was the desserts. <laughs> I don't know if it was both. But I get it now. 
it's the combination, is he? It's the combination of all three. Yeah, he's got a really beautiful intensity, I think, hasn't he? And uh, and it was really, it was all, it was perfect in this this character. I thought he was. It felt like it, it felt like it lived in the show, but was of an elevated status, which was just you know perfect. Like we're used to seeing the kitchens all chaotic and all the rest of it, and here's Will Poulter, and you know. Uh, whatever time, five o'clock in the morning, doing these really, really delicate, intense desserts and, and being sort of quite calm and, and focused about it all. I totally agree. And I really love, because I was like, oh, is he going to be just sort of a bit personality-less throughout? Uh, but I absolutely loved it when Marcus was like, oh, it's like operation. And then he made a little... <laughs> so, so gorgeous. And the conversation between him and Marcus with the bread was some of my favourite writing, I think, that that conversation just flowed so beautifully. Yeah, that was gorgeous. Yeah, Lionel Boyce, the actor who plays Marcus, um, he's got such a lovely quality to him, hasn't he? You just feel comfortable watching him, I think. And again, he, he, Marcus is quite a comforting presence on the show, I think. I keep saying I think. I'm, I'm sure. I'm confident that that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> and we get some nice Marcus backstory, don't we? That we yeah. haven't had in that he was a, a sort of I don't know about American sports quarterback. He was an outside linebacker. Nearly uh, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> I think the line he uses is hold the end and protect the pass. So defensively, when the opposition have got the ball, he would be there to look after one side of the pitch if anyone was attacking down that side. And then also to block off when they're attacking, to block off people trying to get in the way of the pass. I would just like to say, Grace, just in case this gives you any ideas about going and watching American football, don't. It's the most boring thing imaginable. My, I watched the Super Bowl with my old housemate who's really, really into American football, like loves it, has a team he supports. And he was like, it's so great. It's like chess, you know, like everything's so stra- like strategic. And I was like, you don't sit and watch chess for three hours on TV and have a big <laughs> halftime show. It's all about the halftime show. That hold the line and protect the pass. Now you've talked about it a bit more, Adam. It could be the perfect metaphor for a dessert chef. Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, steady, calm, final line of defence in the kitchen. That's And then we also, we get a bit more about his mum, don't we? She's been ill for four years. And she's she's kind of on borrowed time. We get that impression, right? Because they didn't think she'd last as long as she even has. So yeah. I feel like that explains a lot as well. And I also I also thought this gave us a really nice insight into Mikey. And there's there's a, something he says, isn't there, that Mikey is pretty chaotic, but gave him a job and was like, yep, cool. He could just almost sense that he needed it. And then, yeah. But we also learn about Luca. He was trying to keep up with a chef that he worked with. He, basically, he was always the best until he worked with this other guy. And then he accepted that he wasn't going to be at the best, but stuck with it and learned from the best. Do we think it was Kami that he was working with? Oh, it could have been. I hadn't thought of that. I hadn't thought of that. But I, yeah, I always thought he was talking specifically about a dessert chef, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I don't know. That would be so interesting if that is that is the case. But I, I kind of like that, right? Because there's such a difference between him and, say, you know, I guess Kami or Sydney. There's that kind of freneticness and needing to be on top and needing to prove yourself and working really, really hard. And I feel like he's almost got past that where he's like, I'm going to do all those things, but I want to learn and get better. I'm not going to, I'm not striving to be the top. I just thought that was really, really interesting. 
very much so. He says it's all about connection to yourself, to other people and inspiration. And then he says, I think really importantly, it's about spending time in the real world or something like that, which we've seen that, you know, in Chicago, they never leave the restaurant, really. And I think he's that voice of going, don't let it consume you. It's not worth it. Yeah. And I feel like maybe Marcus has been the most like that in the bear. There's a couple of odd bits that happen after this and that there's there's no cat. <laughs> there is a cat, isn't there, Coco? There's a cat bowl, leave water for Coco, but we never see the cat. I mean, you know, that's the thing about cats, isn't it, right? They don't, they don't play to your uh, timetable. No, they don't. They do their own thing. And apparently they don't need any food. Just water, <laughs> that's it. Maybe Coco's out fishing. Maybe Coco was responsible for trapping this poor cyclist under a fence. Oh, yeah, the cyclist. That was a bit mad, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I had the subtitles on, just again, so I don't miss anything. And obviously, the in, in Danish, the word help is help, um, which is spelled <laughs> H-J-A-E-L-P. It's very Ikea-esque, that. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how this is going to play out, like... Marcus having sort of inadvertently potentially saved someone's life or or, or helped like I don't think he was dying but you know I want yeah it's felt like a bit of a strange little moment to put in but I think what happened was that the part of the fence was sticking into his neck I think that's what was going on so that he he couldn't free himself he needed somebody to lift the fence so he could roll out of the way and probably did you know if if nobody had come along he, he may well have died there in the cold, at least. Yeah. I loved how he got back on the bike. <laughs> yeah, it's just a big hug for Marcus and then he cycles off. <laughs> Probably a, a big life moment for Marcus. Yeah, and I think it says a lot about Marcus that his instinct is always to jump in and help. Yeah, definitely. Or help. <laughs> <laughs> so we then get a FaceTime call with Sydney. Call me European Marcus. Well, we, we missed talking about Coach K in the last episode because coach k comes up in all three episodes i think the first time in that first episode it's about decision making i made a note courage and confidence leads to decision making and in this episode it's about composure under pressure and that there's a story of a game going down to the final 10 seconds or whatever and then then making some key decisions and winning through in the end yeah is coach k is that Coach Carter, the movie with uh, Samuel L. Jackson. No. Or was the inspiration for Ted Lasso? I think it could be, guys. It got quite Lasso-esque, didn't it? Some of the stuff Mm. they were talking about. Yeah, yeah, it did. Sydney just says, sports. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's lovely that Sydney is taking her leadership role quite seriously. You know, I think it's... I think she is a natural leader and she was in season one, but she's got even more responsibility now. I just want to flag that. I know I'm, I was sort of flying the flag for a Sydney Marcus romance, but I don't think Sydney sees Marcus like that. And I'll tell you for why. It was the word dude. Yeah. Poor Marcus. I know. We, what about European Marcus? <laughs> well, maybe she'll change her mind when European Marcus comes back. <laughs> I think the, the the best thing for me for this scene was the... <laughs> totally fell for that. The fake freezing. 
Who uh, hasn't done that on Zoom at the height of the pandemic when we were just having meetings we didn't want to have? Yeah, I've definitely done this. Sorry, no, I can't hear you. Yeah, I think you're frozen. <laughs> oh, sorry, my camera's not working. But we're now at the point with these Zoom calls, right, where I just like, I, I don't come up with an excuse or anything. It's just like, I, I'm having my camera off. Yeah. Anyway. Never, never for TV DNA. No. no. No, we like to see each other's faces, which is ironic for a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but this one ends with Marcus making something and being pleased with it. So in contrast to Sydney in the episode before where she made something and wasn't happy with it, he's making a, one of the desserts and is pleased with it. Yeah, and I really like that he finds so much joy in things getting better and improving. Whereas I think for Carmi and Sydney, it's about it's perfect or it's not good. You know, there is no like halfway. Like it really annoys me that when they keep trying dishes, they keep being like actually like grimacing and wanting to spit it out. And then Carmi will be like, it's almost perfect. It's like, that's not the face of a man who tries if it's almost perfect. <laughs> Sometimes there's too much salt, guys. I think this episode was all about Marcus taking time for himself. He's been a long, you know, a carer effectively for four years, as well as being involved in this chaotic restaurant and life. Episode five, then. I don't know how we're going to cover this because there was so much going on. <laughs> so... It's almost like there was too many ingredients. It's a lot. I'm seeing now that it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was a lovely scene, wasn't it? It was Tina in Sydney, um, and she's trying to create an elements-themed dish. Yeah, it definitely felt Tina's face when she was like, "Mm, I think it's a bit... Is there one too many elements? (laughs) (laughs) And she sang the Induja Duya song. (laughs) I don't know how the song goes, I can't repeat it. Tina doing karaoke was an absolute highlight for me. Stunning. It, it broke me. <laughs> and all, but the other thing that broke me was um, Kami giving her his knife. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, that was beautiful. Yeah. I would like I would like for the next few episodes, because we've had a bit of Marcus' backstory, you know, we're getting a real sad, I'd like a bit more Tina. Tina at home, you know? Yeah, I think, that'd be, I think maybe they are planning to do that. It does feel like they're delving a bit more into the backstories this season. Um, I will say I loved the, no- the knife moment. I found it very heartwarming. I was very concerned about how she was going to transport it to cooking glass from the restaurant. I was like, <laughs> is she going to put it in a handbag? Is there some kind of case? <laughs> carry it loose. Just carry it loose, you know, just take it on the subway. Just going back to the karaoke bit. I wonder if she's got any DJ skills because she could be Tina Turner. Izzy is slow clapping for the listeners at home. <laughs> um, one of the early things, it might even be, um, you know, shortly after this, right, we get Ebra. And this is something they did throughout the episode. They, they used the zooming in thing, but at different speeds. So we get a really slow zoom in on Ebra from behind and he's kind of silhouetted and then we it cuts to a, a profile shot of him smoking a cigar but I just thought it was beautifully done. Tina then calls Ebra and tells him not to be weird don't be weird. From, from there there's a quick zoom into the knife like contrasting with a slow zoom into Ebra but then it was a quick zoom to the knife and she's like let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> I am really enjoying Tina and Ebra's relationship which I feel like we're getting a little bit more of an insight into I think it's really great. And they are two of the older members of staff. And I really like I really like the fact that we're getting a bit more away from the team about how that feels. 
Yeah, I think Tina says to him, doesn't she, on the phone, I don't remember a day when I haven't seen you or heard from you. I thought that was a really nice touch of being like, they have worked side by side almost every day for, could be sort of 15 years. Yeah. I think we were talking obviously about Carly wanting to find fun and Richie wanting to find purpose. And I think forever it's it's just got to be passion. It's got to be a fire, get the fire back. Yeah, I wonder whether it's, it's it's an age, whether he is feeling his age and it's confidence and whether he feels that he, he's not able to keep up and he's not able to do the job anymore. And then what happens to him after that? Yeah, it's weird because Richie resisted change so much in season one, but I feel like it's Ebra who's really resisting it in season two. I wonder if Ebra could be the overwhelmingly brilliant front of house that we all need. Yeah. Maybe he'd be more comfortable with that, you know? Yeah, brilliant shout. My feeling so far is that it's similarly to Richie is that he doesn't necessarily not, you know, he's had his place in the kitchen. He's just not able to keep up with the pace of it anymore. Should we talk about Uncle? I, I'm really confused about this guy's name. What is Oliver Platt's character's name? Is it Cicero? Yeah, I think is, is it he's Uncle Jimmy, but Cicero is maybe his last name. How is he so rich? <laughs> well, I, I kind of like the fact they don't explain this. And he's just very well connected in Chicago. He knows everyone. He knows how to get shit done. And he's just very wealthy. And we kind of get the impression that, like, maybe maybe it's not all legit, you know? Mm-hmm. I adored when he was talking. It was just like, shut the fuck up, Richie, before she even opens his mouth. And it wasn't even just once, it was twice. Well, you can see Richie biting his lip. Like, he's trying, he's going to say something. And, you know, this whole self-improvement thing he's on, you know, he doesn't say the G and the R anymore. And he's like, but sometimes he just can't. Oh, <laughs> so it's, yeah. I loved that as well. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. But I loved the relationship between him and and, and Nat, Sugar, I guess, uh, in this instance, because she really plays him. You know, you always know what to do, Uncle butters him up and that was the impression I got when he came in it was like he wanted to be the sort of big balls Barry coming in and saying you know this isn't good enough and you need to step up and do more of this or and she kind of just lent into that a bit yeah that was I really really enjoyed that scene I thought it was a great scene between Abby Elliott and Oliver Platt and she just she clearly does just know how to play him and in some ways that's why she's so excellent as project manager it's why they need her like not only is she organized and can keep them all in check but she knows how to manipulate the relationships around her 100%. in a way that Kami doesn't and Richie doesn't. That damsel in distress card, it is very, very useful at times. <laughs> um, yeah, I've used it myself. <laughs> <laughs> but just before we move on from this, I just want to give a massive TV, TV DNA shout out to Richie's electrician making a sandwich. <laughs> Very much my my approach to any DIY. <laughs> well, he's got to wait for the plumber. He's waiting for the something yeah. else. He's waiting for something else. It's like the fox and the chicken and the bag of grain, isn't it? Like trying to cross a river. The knee bone's connected to the something else. And Sydney, bless her, is getting, again, brushed aside a little bit throughout this. I mean, they are trying to get things fixed and she is talking about what plates to use, but still a very important thing. Yeah, and I love Carmi wanting the $55 plates and then being like, that's not happening. Yeah, uh, I think that there's a lot of, there's quite a lot of anxiety, isn't there, over the menu? You know, everything's starting to very slowly and chaotically come together. You know, they are going to get the license and the plumbing will get done. 
But I feel like the thing that really needs to be focused on is the menu. Yeah. And he says, you know, chaos menu. I don't know. And it's really he says it on his way out. And it's kind of really just sort of dropped in there of like him potentially questioning their whole, not just what dish is, but their whole direction. I feel like that is going to completely blow up at some point. Tell you what, I would be infuriated if I worked with Kami. He loves saying something that's just a bit of a curveball and then walking out the room. <laughs> he really does. And he loves just, you know, going on a date instead of doing some work. And he loves disrespecting people. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're really hating on Kami, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Do you think he does? Do you think he genuinely disrespects people or do you think it's. I don't think it is that because I do think when he realises he's been wrong he can apologise which is something that Richie struggles with but I think he's quite avoidant he's really yeah. avoidant great shout I just think yeah. that him and Sydney's relationship is based on mutual respect and um, and a lot of the time Kami just like pulls the lever in a different way if I was Sydney I would she quite rightly can be infuriated by that behaviour because she never quite knows where she stands with him I think I, I feel like some of it comes from that fine dining background, right? That if he's been working in these Michelin star restaurants, they're used to communicating with each other in a completely different way. And it quite often it is shorthand and it is quick and sharp. And I, and I wonder whether how, how much of that is due to that. I think everything else you said is also part of it. Yeah, they do come from different worlds, I think. And sometimes they don't, you know, they collide. But yeah, and then he he goes off on this. Um, he goes to have some fun. Carmi, Carmi having fun. He goes he goes for a, well, he goes for a date, doesn't he, to drive the permit to a mailbox. Yeah, a classic date. I've been on many times. <laughs> but yeah, it means we get more of Claire, which is brilliant because yeah, she talks about the fact that she's a horrible driver, but she loves the risk of it. And then they talk about the residency and the restaurant being gnarly and how they must both really love their jobs in order to do it. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both two of the most hardcore jobs, right? Mm. Being a, a junior doctor, a residence, so you're still like doing the training and the grunt shifts and then running a restaurant. What a pair to put together. What, what do they say, 100 hours on, two hours off? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds awful. There's a really gorgeous bit in this scene as well where she starts talking about Mikey, and I, I've been sort of wondering about when that was going to come up, because clearly she is someone who knows the whole family and knows everyone really, really well. Um, so I was sort of waiting for this and I just thought it was done in such a beautiful way, which is, I'm really sorry about Mikey. I think they're talking about memories, aren't they? And and she's just talking about how cool Mikey was. And she says, you know, I'm really sorry. Didn't have to bring it up. And he says, I like talking about him. And it's, yeah, it's really beautiful. I think the show does grief so well. And this was such a great example of that. I also love the fact that it got followed with, speaking of dead brothers, do you want to go to a party? <laughs> they have a whole chat about shoplifting gum and drawing pants. <laughs> but yeah, the party scene, they've got the code word of let's get the hell out of here. <laughs> but he, he pretends to be Logan. She's dealing with a, a friend who's been dumped. It was a really beautiful way to show kind of that early dating when you're at a party, but really your focus is entirely on each other even if you're not together. Yeah. And I think it did that really, really, really well. And you're kind of looking for opportunities to get back together at the party. And it just, yeah, the way that they did that was perfect. Yeah, so he was pretending to be someone called Logan. 
Yeah, so someone mistook him for someone called Logan and he just went with it, which I thought was great. But in some ways, the thing I liked most about that is it kind of felt like he was getting to not be Kami for a bit and actually was quite enjoying trying on being someone else. It's like there was, you know, there was sparks between them and their relationship was, you know, going well, fireworks and then actual fireworks. Yeah. Yeah, because there's the guy who's really high on oxygen on oxy right who's just love setting fire to things oh getting arrested for having fun <laughs> yeah busted for having fun though in between these scenes we had the tina karaoke scene and at one point i was like is she at the same party uh, yeah uh, there was a moment when i thought they were going to come to go to the same party but then i realized remember that they invited her to a, specifically to a bar it was sort of nice to see like the chefs out of their natural environment and trying to embrace, well, fun, as we said, you know, trying to kind of reconnect with that part of themselves. And Tina's singing was definitely a part of that, I think. Yeah. And I like the fact that I think, you know, there is the fear of like, oh, what if I'm too old? What if I'm past it? But actually, they want to include her. Yeah. I wrote my note for that was um, so much life and that she conveys such a life live just within her face and, and how she sang. It was just... Yeah, beautiful moment. And that smile again. <laughs> then he invites her to the restaurant. We've had a moment of Nat moaning to Sydney about Richie and saying that he's got no skills. Sydney says she needs Carmi and Nat says, oh, he's probably with Claire. And she's like, who's Claire? I know, that was such a like, oh, moment for me. Because not only is he just running around and leaving her to it, but he's not even told her. No, <laughs> but also whether I, like you, would prefer it to be Sydney and... Marcus, but um, I wonder whether Sydney has feelings for Kami, and therefore this is a bit of jealousy as well. Yeah, yeah I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some very low, like you know, subconscious, potentially very much so. Yeah, and him inviting him to the restaurant that is a big deal for Kami. That is literally you know meshing the two worlds, which he's not very good at and not very comfortable doing. And then obviously she gets there, and it's absolutely. <laughs> chaos is I it mean, about I this is it about the ampage yeah richie's like trying to borrow power from next door <laughs> and it's just sheer chaos it is like what you what you just think of when you think of the bear <laughs> she walks right into that but i also love the fact it was really clear she knew them all really well and so it didn't feel like she was coming to a bunch of strangers and just thinking like oh my god what the hell is happening like she knows these people and she knows what they're like and I think that that was really great. And I think conveys a lot more about maybe why why this is sort of working with Kami. Yeah. I mean, to be fair to Richie, Hellfire is his speciality. <laughs> Him with the, it was like electrical cables around his arm. Just being like, I wasn't going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All of their reactions to him, like Sydney's really awkward, but is welcoming to, to Claire. Richie asks her if she's met Frank yet. And she's like, yes, I have. Um, so it feels like there's a, a relationship between Claire and Richie's ex. And then, uh, yeah, Carmi thanks him and sends everyone home. And then just as they're about to kiss, there's a fuck attack. <laughs> I love this. So great. Also that he was dressed in what looked like, you know, it was like a, a black roll neck and a very tight black hat. It was like, it, it looked like a little burglar or something. It's like, really is a back attack. And then he said, she, she is the best and so are you. Which was so I know. Funny. But also he said, I did that <laughs> about Claire, right? Well, he meant he meant setting them up, I think. 
Yes, he I gave you a number. Not I did that as in I've done that. <laughs> I thought you meant I tapped that. I was like, fuck, no. Don't do that. I thought the same thing initially. It took me a second and I was like, I know, no, he means he got them together. But yeah, this was a harder one to sum up, I think. But but really lovely to see Carmi and Claire together, I think. And and them all just kind of, perhaps a little bit more of them being off the clock and how that's valuable. Yeah. I I mean, yeah, to go back to Will Poulter's, you know, step into the real world, it kind of, flowed through to this episode but yeah definitely let out a little cheer when we got the kiss any thoughts will on it last? yeah there we go there's the question will it last what do you think uh, no i think i think we'll get a nice romance for a couple more episodes and then can't we will blow it mm, probably right um yeah i think izzy's right oh well as you know we mentioned last week that this episode the next episode is an hour long so it's quite quite chunky what what more could go wrong with the restaurant? Well, I, I have had some spoilers about the next episode, so I won't spoil it for you guys in terms of plot, but I will say there's some great guest stars. <gasps> Amazing. I, I, I think there'll definitely be another bump in the road for Claire and Carmi, but hopefully by the end it'll be resolved somehow. If this series doesn't end with Richie at a Taylor Swift concert, I'm writing in the streets. I want to see, I want loads of Richie and Taylor Swift. I want him fully on board this train. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to having Marcus back. Um, and yeah, and I'm also really looking forward to finding out what's what's going on with Ebra and, and spending some time with him. Yeah, we need that, I think. Yeah. Do we think baby will come before? We're, so how many we're how many weeks pregnant do we think she is? She did say, I think, and it's not that far along. Right. So I don't I don't think we're gonna see the baby this season, but maybe next season. She had a good bump in the last episode. So maybe she's like four months or something. Or yeah. Yeah, and we're six yeah. weeks away now, aren't we, from opening? Are we, though? <laughs> <laughs> we will find out next time. So what are we going to do? Maybe six and seven or six, seven and eight? Six is a long one, so we'll see. We'll work it out on the, on the WhatsApp. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think we can do all five of the next ones together. So I think we'll be doing two more of these episodes. If you want to let us know what you're thinking about the bear, please don't give us any spoilers, but you can contact us on the social media at tvdnapod or email tvdnapod at gmail.com we have just released our latest watch list episode and we'll be back again with another watch list next week give us a rating and review if you've got the spare time favourite lines from these episodes anyone? he's Michael Jordan (laughs) looking forward mine is I love you so much but I need my tools (laughs) 